Welcome to episode 103 of The Complete Works Season 1, a deep dive into the career and films of actor Nicolas Cage. My name is Mike Smith, and joining me on this journey into the, what, what, what do I usually say? To, into the depths of true cagedom? Is that what I? Depths of, I, I was going to say, no, it's wondrous world of Yeah, Golden. no, that, that's the other one. That's the other one. Joining me on this journey into the depths of true cagedom is my friend, co-host, and fellow cageaholic, Mike DeCrecio. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great. I'm very excited to talk about today's movie to get back in the cage. That's wild. Here we are so soon after we swore off Nicolas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) Forever, except for that we didn't. Uh, Yeah, a few weeks ago, we uh, wrapped up our mini season where we caught up on the films of Nicolas Cage, leading all the way up to episode 102 with Willy's Wonderland. And when we finished, we knew of of a couple of Nicolas Cage movies on the horizon. We knew that there were some coming out, but nothing at the time had any kind of firm release date. So we figured we'd adopt a new strategy uh, by just covering these movies as they come. We also didn't expect for one to arrive so soon (laughs) (laughs) after we returned to the Goldblum season. Yeah, and especially uh, not return with like such fervor uh, around it. You know, it was like it was going to be some kind of sleeper direct to VOD, whatever kind of movie like we could have waited, but not really with this one. No, yeah, this one we felt like we had to really talk about soon. At the beginning of July, Neon, uh, the production company Neon, also the uh, distributor who released Parasite, uh, they revealed the trailer for a new Nicolas Cage movie and announced that the movie would be released just two weeks later on July 16th uh, in theaters. And in those two weeks, the hype really started to build. (laughs) for this movie. Uh, Multiple critics started calling this movie among the best of the year. Special praise given specifically to Nicolas Cage's performance. And uh, this came as a little bit of surprise because this movie was on our radar for a while. It was announced back in September 2019, uh, which was just about a year after Mandy was released. And uh, we were in full Cage-assance mode, you know? Yes, we were, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, this premise of this movie mixed with this title, it was exciting to us as Cage fans. Uh, but it also sounded like something that we already knew what to expect, right? It's Nicolas Cage. His pig gets kidnapped. He goes for revenge. Well, I mean, that's your movie right there. I, I, we get it, right? Yeah, it writes itself. <laughs> yeah, we thought it would be a fun, kind of silly action movie. And instead, what we got was a quiet subversion of revenge films that acts as a meditation on loss. It is time to talk about Nicolas Cage in Pig. <laughs> I'm looking for a truffle pig. Someone star. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. What are you thinking? I remember every meal I ever cooked. I remember every person I ever served. You live your life for them. 
and they don't even see you. You don't even see yourself. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. Who has my pig? So Pig is a movie in which Nicolas Cage plays a guy who lives alone in the woods with only his truffle hunting pig as his companion. Uh, one day his pig is kidnapped and he goes on a quest to get it back. And when you hear that premise, your immediate thought is, OK, so this is John Wick. This is Nicolas Cage's John Wick, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's 100 percent what I expected, what everybody expected. And I am d- delighted by what we actually get. <laughs> yeah. Now, we've talked about the influence of Taken before in this podcast, uh, because Nicolas Cage starred in a couple of Taken knockoffs himself, like Stolen and Rage. And, you know, despite starring in Rage, he is still just Nicolas Cage. For old time's sake, I yes, love it. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I think John Wick is a really curious case because that's a movie that really started as a Taken knockoff. The idea of Taken knockoffs is that, okay, you can take any kind of beloved actor and build like a revenge movie around them, right? Liam Neeson had Taken, Mel Gibson had like Get the Gringo or whatever, and right. uh, Nicolas Cage had Stolen, and Keanu Reeves was supposed to have John Wick. That was his Taken. And instead, John Wick became its own subgenre. <laughs> It became its own thing. Uh, And now we get a beloved actor as the sole protagonist in an action movie, usually a revenge movie. But you got to make sure the action looks cool. (laughs) That's that's the main difference. And build up a weird mythology. (laughs) That's also a key part of the uh, other John Wick thing. Uh, And the thing is, Pig, it plays into that. Like, it's it's trying to make you think that's what it's going to be. It does start to build up a weird mythology, and it makes it seem like Cage is going to beat some dudes up. And then it turns away from that. And instead, what you're left with is a sad man just trying to hang on to his one last connection to the life and the person that he once loved. Yeah. And man, (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just want to say, I assume we'll do a spoiler section because this is a new movie. Uh, Sure. If you haven't seen Pig, pause the pause the podcast and go see Pig, because going into this movie, expecting the John Wick uh, thing and then getting what you get instead uh, is the best thing that's I've experienced in a long time. Also, this is my return to theaters was to fucking see pig. Like, oh, yes. what? yeah, this, this is the triumphant return to movie theaters from Mike DiCrecio. After more yes. than a year away, you finally made it back. You went to the Alamo draft house to go see pig. There was like a pre pig truffle party or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they had a, uh, an email. They sent out an email and I wasn't expecting to go. I was, you know, I was not going to go to theaters. I'm not even still fully prepared, uh, to go to a general public th- screening. Um, you know, and they send out an email to uh, Alba Drafthouse subscribers or whatever, because I have the app, you know, downloaded. And right. it was like a pre-screening, pre-release party. It was like it came, your ticket came with a free order of truffle fries. Um, and I screenshot <laughs> it and sent it to Mike and was like, I have to go to this, right? Like, I absolutely do. Uh, but the, luckily, they had two screenings. So that was on a Monday, which is when we normally record. Uh, and I didn't get to go to that one. They had one later in the week. Uh, and I was able to go do that screening. Uh, but there was no truffle fries at the second the, the B team screening, so that's a shame. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my first my first foray back into the theater. Luckily, at the Draft House, their policy is when you buy a ticket, you know, you select your seat, and they block the two seats on either side of you. 
uh, from being purchased. So that was kind of the thing that was like, okay, I can do it uh, for me to make that ju- that plunge. Because I know even producer Colin, I think it was when he went to see Pig, he told me that when he went in, uh, when he bought his ticket, you know, you select your seats, the same deal, but that sure. was at a regular AMC or Regal. And it was like five people that had bought tickets. And by the time he showed up, it was like full because now there was hype around it. Okay. Uh, or not full, but crowd, more crowded. Yeah. COVID crowded, uh, you know, and people sat right next to him. And he was like, <laughs> fuck this. And he, he got up and moved. Um, okay. But like, I don't want that in my life. Uh, so enough. maybe I'll be going to the draft house for the time being where they take the time to block the seats uh, from being purchased. Nice. Uh, so yeah, fuck pig. That's where I'm going with that. Uh, pig in theaters. <laughs> amazing for a triumphant return. Wonderful, wonderful experience at the draft house to see pig. Excellent. Yeah. And I actually got to see pig in theaters as well. I got to see it at the Roxy theater, which is the end theater near my house in Missoula, Montana. Uh, they were showing it and, uh, they did not show it the opening weekend of pig, like a uh, pig open in limited release July 16th. Uh, and it didn't open until the 23rd here in Missoula earlier in the month when the trailer for pig had come out and the hype started to build. I actually messaged, uh, the programming coordinator, Mike Emmons, who we've talked to on Mike, Mike go to the movies, uh, from the Roxy theater and asked him like, please tell me you guys are showing pig, uh, this month. And, uh, he said like, you know, it's, it's on my radar, but it's not something that we have on the calendar right now. So, you know, don't get your hopes up. And I was like, ah, man. And uh, Mike D going to this like special pig party at the Alamo <laughs> draft house. And I'm going to be stuck here waiting for VOD like a sucker. Uh, and then about a week later, uh, Mike Emmons t- messaged back at me and said, Hey, we're showing pig. <laughs> <laughs> we're, get, we're like, it's getting all, all this buzz. We got to show it. And so they end up showing it on uh, July 23rd. And I went and uh, we will talk about our reaction to the movie uh, in a little bit. But first, got to tell you all, all about the actors who are in this movie. Nicolas Cage plays Robin Feld, the man who lost his pig, the man who loses his pig. And later more is revealed about him, I should say. My, as Mike said, we should do like a spoilery section or kind of go go into spoilers as the as we progress through the movie, I suppose. Right. Uh, because it is a new thing. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we were going to try to do the like scene by scene breakdown because uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've both seen it. Uh, plus, it's a new thing. Um, so I wasn't exactly sure how we're going to structure this. Yeah. I, I do have the scene by scene breakdown and it's it's probably not going to be as uh, accurate as it normally is because neither of us could take notes while watching it because we're in the theater. Right. Uh, but if you do want to watch Pig and you don't want to go to the theater, if you don't want people like sitting next to you, it's available on VOD this week. Uh, by nice. the way, so it is out there right now for people to check out. Uh, but yeah, so Nicholas Cage plays Robin Feld, the guy who loses his pig. He's accompanied on his journey by Amir, the guy who buys the truffles from him. And he's played by Alex Wolf, who was once one of the Naked Brothers band and Nickelodeon back in the yeah. day. Uh, but in recent years has carved out a really solid acting career. Of course, he was in Hereditary. He's the kid in that movie. And uh, recently he was in Old, the M. Night Shyamalan movie, uh, which uh, I, I just watched yesterday. Uh, I just went to go see that in theaters yesterday. Pretty good. I was really really impressed by old i i nice. i really liked it uh, and he was very good in it so yeah he was in that and pig right around the same time uh his father darius is played by adam arkin known for the tv series chicago hope uh stage actress gretchen corbett also known for her role in the rockford files plays mac who i believe is the woman who runs the funeral home otherwise every other role in this movie is played by a relatively unknown actor <laughs> Cool. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them are even like non-actor. That's definitely a possibility. Uh, Pig is the feature directorial debut of Michael Sarnowski, who wrote and directed the movie, and it was filmed quickly over the course of about 20 days. The movie opened to limited release on July 16th, 2021, actually managed to crack the top 10, uh, which is pretty wild. I mean, I think that's uh, partially due to COVID and stuff, but still uh, opened at the number 10 spot. Also coming out that weekend, Mike, do you want to guess what the number one movie at the box office July 16th was? Uh, is that F9 land? Uh, no, we're past F9 now. 
Oh, there's still movies coming out? I don't believe it. Uh, I don't know. It was This was a, less than a month. This was two weeks ago, and I don't remember. two weeks ago. Yep, July 16th, 2021. Did that even come out in theaters? Black Widow did come out in theaters. Uh, there's a whole controversy surrounding that, but it did. I did, yeah. <laughs> it, it I did, did see come, that. It did come out in theaters, but that was the week before. That was not number one at the box office. Uh, number one was another movie uh, of equally epic proportions, Space Jam, A New Legacy. <laughs> Fucking, what a, what a tragedy that pig is at two. <laughs> I mean, at 10, yeah. and Space Jam is at number one. Space Jam is at number one. Space Jam, A New Legacy, a movie that I tried to watch. Uh, I think I, I turned it on after having about six beers, and uh, I ate an edible right beforehand, and uh, fell asleep about twenty with about 20 minutes left to go into the movie. And then I read about what happened after I fell asleep, and I was like, I'm not going back to finish this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was bad before, but, like, reading what happened, I was like, I don't, I, I don't even want to witness this. Uh, wow. But Space Jam A New Legacy was number one at the box office. Escape Room, Tormented Champions, opened at number three, which is a much better movie. I like that one. Uh, nice. And the documentary Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain, opened to number eight, which also has its own share of controversy going on right now. Uh, all, also in the top 10 were Black Widow, F9, The Boss Baby, Family Business, which is a future uh, Jeff Goldblum episode of this podcast. I feel like we're a hostage to that movie. Yes, it, it's that looming day. We know yeah. e- e- every week as we, we're going to get closer and closer to having to review The Boss Baby Family Business. <laughs> it's sad. It's very sad. Uh, the Forever Purge also in the top 10, A Quiet Place Part 2, and Cruella also make it in there. So there you go. That's 2020 summer movies in a nutshell right there like a snapshot of every major movie that's happened so far this year uh in the summertime the imdb plot synopsis for pig reads a truffle hunter who lives alone in the oregonian wilderness must return to his past in portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped uh so mike what are your overall thoughts on the movie pig uh my overall thoughts on pig are that this movie, like we've talked about on paper, you get you get it. You f- we've I can see this movie in my brain already when you say Nicolas Cage, Truffle Pig, Kidnapped, Revenge, right? right. You're like, I got it. I'm done. Uh, sign me up. You know, whatever. Sign me up, I guess. And what this movie ends up being is I can't I don't know if I could accurately describe how prof- profound <laughs> this movie ends up getting and emotional and 100 percent cried by the end, which is wild in a movie about Nicolas Cage who loses his pig and he wants revenge. Um, <laughs> like what? Yeah. Just the, the craft and the, the pacing and just everything about it on like a technical level, filmmaking wise is amazing and lends to that profound, deeply moving story that it ends up telling. Uh, and ba- shocked, ba- absolutely baffled that this is the movie that it, it becomes or what it, what it is. Uh, and I feel like we're in full. We've we've been in full Cage right? We've been talking about this the whole time. We sure did that that mini season, right? To recap, Cage post Mandy, post Color Out of Space, post Willy's Wonderland. Like I'm, that absolutely counts, I think. Yeah, uh, in there. And yeah, this kind of continues that tradition uh, of people are reconsidering their relationship to Nicolas Cage as a performer. I think that I think when we had Vin on for Willy's Wonderland, he mentioned that. Uh, I think it was Vanity Fair or whatever YouTube video, which is like Nicolas Cage recapping his best performances or whatever. Right. It's like a 15 minute rundown of just him, like kind of doing quick bites about all his biggest roles. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think Vin was the one who kind of keyed me into because I've seen that video and it's wonder, It's great. It's wonderful to see Cage talk about that. But Vin keyed me into this takeaway of like, oh, Nicolas Cage is 100 percent in control of every role he's ever been in. Like he knows <laughs> yeah. exactly what he's doing. 
Uh, and it changes everything about your perception of Nicolas Cage, I think. Uh, that's like, <laughs> or it can change your perception, right? Um, and I think like kind of public consciousness is kind of coming around to that idea. Like there's kind of been the cult of Cage that we're sort of part of, right? Sure. That, like this is wonderful and a delight to watch. But I think kind of culturally it's coming back around to like, hold on, <laughs> this guy's a genius. Um, and and I think Pig kind of is going to usher that next wave of of cage converts uh, <laughs> into the fold. I think you're right. I mean, I think that conversation really started with Mandy, right, where, yeah. uh, you know, Mandy came out and it was one of those things. I mean, really, I guess you could say it started with Joe, right? It was right, like Joe yeah. back in 2013, but then it was like five years of like nothing but direct-to-video, you know, mostly trash. There were some gems in there, the trust, dog-eat-dog. Uh, all that kind of stuff. But uh, but like Mandy came out and like reinvigorated Nicolas Cage's career and like showed people like, oh, this is like the platonic ideal of Nicolas Cage. This is him in like all of his maximalist glory. Right. Yeah. Uh, and since then, you know, he did Color Out of Space. He did Willis Wonderland. The Croods 2 came out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> equal pillars of the Cage filmography. Yes. Uh, and Spider. He, he was also part of Spider-Verse, which is one of the biggest, you know, best animated movies ever it's great yeah uh and now you've got this movie pig and i think over the past few years just every every once in a while like the cage discourse starts again and people are like wait is nicholas cage really good like is yeah. he like, great have we been like you know sleeping on this this whole time uh and the answer is yes people people have been <laughs> and like you know the more this keeps happening i'm, I'm really waiting for because what's interesting, I think, post Mandy, Cage worked with Panos Cosmatos in that movie, which that was Panos Cosmatos's second movie. Um, but already somebody who had a very distinctive voice as a director and then worked with Richard Stanley in Colorado Space. But there hasn't been like he's mostly still been working with pretty young, like fresh directors. Like this is a movie by Michael Sarnowski. This is his first movie. Right? Uh, right. And he does a movie with a Sion Sono coming out, which is supposed to be. Uh, at least interesting. And that was the one that played a Sundance person as a ghost land. Um, But I'm really, I'm really waiting for like this cage hype has been building and building over the course of the last few years. And I'm waiting for cage to team up with like a real big, like a list director again, you know, uh, you know, cause he's worked with a few over the course of his career. He's had David Lynch. He's at the Coens, right? He had Michael right. Bay, uh, with the rock. I mean, he's not on their level, but still, uh, yeah. he's, you know, he's had somebody with his own autorist view and he worked with Spike Jones and all these people. Can you just imagine if like, you know, Quentin Tarantino's 10th film comes out and Nicolas Cage is the star or something like, yeah. <laughs> like something along those lines, like some kind of A-list filmmaker and like this kind of marriage of like filmmaker and actor. And like, that's the thing that like really brings cage back to the forefront in a major way. Uh, I think that'd be awesome. That'd be like, I feel like we're building to that in some way. It definitely feels like that. And it definitely, we've, we've kind of tracked this a little bit, I think in, especially in the mini season we did where cage is sort of in this point where he's kind of the guy that gets the movie made, you know, like he's the, he's the only, I mean, Alex Wolf is of course, you know, uh, a rising star, I guess you could say, but sure. He's not, the guy getting this movie made, um, right? He's not the one that the studio would see and be like, oh, give this people a billion dollars, right? <laughs> um, it's Nicolas Cage, and right. he's throwing his weight behind weird shit that he se- just loves to make, I guess. You know, he yeah. just is like wants to be in these things, which is awesome. But yeah, this feels like the movie that could bridge the gap where he finally gets a second chance at uh, the Hollywood mainstream. Now, do we necessarily want that? Like, I, not, he's been I, killing it lately. Yeah, I'm not even sure if Nicolas Cage wants that. Like, right. that's, what, that's one of those things. I feel like he's pretty comfortable working outside of the mainstream right now. But I think 
at some point, like some major filmmaker is going to come up to Cage and like some kind of like perfect marriage of material and actor is going to come forward. Like if somebody like, you know, not even Quentin Tarantino, maybe like an Edgar Wright or yeah. like any other like if Spielberg said, hey, I want Cage to be in my next movie or something. Uh, you know, uh, it's a possibility. I, I think it's you know, it's more likely now than it has been in the last like 10 years, I think. <laughs> I'd say 20 years. I'd go that. Well, maybe not 20. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He was still making like National Treasure movies back then. Like, I mean, yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. I realized <laughs> I, I checked my timeline. I forgot how uh, time works for a second there. Right. Yeah, definitely last 10 years for sure. And this is amazing. Fascinating. This movie, this, the, the director and co-writer, I think I forget who it is off the top of my head. It was a man and a woman, uh, for sure. They were on uh, Movies That Made Me, Joe Dante's podcast. Okay, uh, Vanessa Block is the co-writer. Yes, and they're fascinating discussions uh, about their their cinematic influences and stuff, and especially the director, Michael Cernowski. Like, not a movie guy, (laughs) which was wild. He was like, yeah, yeah, like that was kind of his whole thing, was like the thing, the, the movies that he talked about were like sort of the stuff that he'd always heard about and people never really that he never seen before. And we're like, for real, you're going to be a director and you've never seen, I can't remember like Jaws or whatever that, I don't know if that was one of them, but it was stuff <laughs> like that, yeah. which was wild. So that was, that was really fascinating uh, to see how the, somebody that's not like deeply steeped in movie tradition, so to speak, uh, can come out and make this movie is, is awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see if he continues to make movies after this, if he's going to keep going. Uh, but I will tell you the effect that pig has in audiences, because this is like the reaction that my crowd had to the movie. When I went to see it, uh, there was a group of four guys, a couple of rows ahead of me. And, mm-hmm. uh, you could tell like before the movie started, they were very much in the mindset of like, this is going to be stupid and funny. We're here to laugh at it kind of thing. It's like Nicholas cage. Everything he does is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that, that kind of mindset. And I was getting ready to be pretty annoyed by these guys, which I think is the kind of thing you had with the uh, Colorado space. People were laughing at the movie in the, which Colorado space does have. It's like moments for you to laugh at for sure. But I yeah, think they yeah. were laughing at like stuff that wasn't meant to be laughed at. Right. Yeah. Especially uh, when cage, we talked about when we did that episode recently about cage kind of throws this accent on right in, in Colorado space when he's like being controlled or affected by the color. Sure. He does this weird voice. Every time, like hysterical laughter, it was like, <laughs> yeah. this is the thing that this is a real dramatic thing he's choosing to do. Uh, like, please stop. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so uh, th- that's basically like the mindset of these guys. Like, that's what they were going into this movie to do. And when the movie started, that's what they were doing. Just like the kind of thing where literally anything Nick Cage does, it was hilarious because he's Nicolas Cage. And then about like 10 to 15 minutes in, they started getting quieter. <laughs> And yes, and they started getting more quiet and they just got absorbed by the movie. And when it ended, I heard one of them turn to the other ones and go, wait a minute. Was that like really good? (laughs) (laughs) Was that great? (laughs) Yes, they've been tricked. They've been converted. Yes. Yeah. They went in expecting, you know, they they went in expecting jujitsu and and instead they got pig. Basically, yeah, I I genuinely expected this to be Willy's Wonderland with a pig. Um, Right. Yeah, I and it's you know, when you, yeah, when you hear like the description that like when I first heard about this movie back in 2019, when they first announced it, this was around the same time they announced like Primal, I think. And I was like, right. oh, both of these sound great. Like these and yeah. I, both of them, like for similar reasons, you know, Primal, Nicolas Cage is stuck on a boat with a tiger pig. He's pig gets kidnapped just to get it back. Uh, and man, what different movies they turned out to be. <laughs> Truly, like could not be further apart. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that is just like the subtle beauty of Pig. I think it brings audiences in with the promise of a Nicolas Cage revenge film 
Uh, but potentially maybe like, you know, you watch the trailer and it's like, OK, it's like an artier version of that. And instead they get sort of the opposite. And you see Cage giving one of his most grounded, honest performances in it in a long time. Uh, he's he's incredible in this movie. Uh, so what did you think of Nicolas Cage in Pig, Mike? Uh, it's the natural evolution of the uh, Cage Assange character <laughs> we've gotten to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like 15 to 10 to 15 minutes, 20, whatever. Like that first act is just like slow cinema. Like there is just cage walking in a forest with a pig and being yep. cute and making breakfast for the pig and the plate. Wonderful. I want to watch that forever. And yeah, he he gives this very grounded emotional performance to what could be easily a wacky silly thing, which we've sort of talked about cage sort of flips the script of the movie, right? Like when it's a silly wacky movie, he's the stoic guy and sure. when it's a stoic movie, he's the silly guy. Uh, but this one, he sort of meets the movie like on on an equilibrium there. Like the movie is slow and deliberate, and Cage is very slow and stoic and deliberate, and it's amazing. I can't believe it. It, it really looks like a performance. It's the it's the kind of performance that makes you think realize like recontextualize an actor's whole career, sort of. Where you're like, yes. Huh. Wait a second. <laughs> the last fifteen years have been amazing <laughs> question mark. Like he was yeah right it's that kind of that kind of move for him where yeah which, kind of which realize, is so weird because we were having the exact same conversations when mandy came out you know it's yeah. like is <laughs> where we but i feel like mandy is you know you're watching cage at his like maximalist glory right it's like you know the right. biggest cage can possibly be in many in many scenes of mandy he's also very quiet in other scenes um but the stuff that people really talk about is like the kind of like really big stuff he does uh and this feels like a celebration of like his other strengths, like the opposite of the maximalist stuff. Like, you know, when cage goes minimal, what can he do? And it's pig. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff that it's <laughs> the stuff before the title card of Mandy <laughs> is what's going on in pig. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to the stuff after the title card in Mandy. Yes. I like Galactus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not a planet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's excellent. You know, and like you said, this is a premise that could be outlandish and silly. Uh, and I think when you're saying it's like slow and deliberate, it is that. And it is like, you know, very, very assured of what it's doing. But it can also be very funny. Like this is there's like a lot of very oh, yeah. funny moments throughout the movie. There is like a, like a hint of silliness throughout because uh, it is like, you know, it kind of plays into the absurdity of like, yeah, we know it's like a movie about a guy looking for his pig and that's it. But also it's about this you know <laughs> yeah and when it starts to get into the mythology stuff it's hilarious how serious everything about it is yes uh, but in the best way like in a hundred percent believable earnest way that never feels like it's winking at the camera too much yes exactly uh and also the majority of the movie does pair nicholas cage up with alex wolf uh, who plays Amir. And I think their dynamic is so much fun. I think Alex Wolf yeah. is really good in the movie because uh, Amir is like this frustrated guy who just needs Cage. Otherwise, his business will crumble. And uh, he's clearly someone who's like very much out of the death. I, I love the detail that, uh, you know, because he's like this, like, you know, wannabe entrepreneur. He, and he's wearing these like suits throughout the movie and they're all just like a little bit too big for him. Like he looks like mm -hmm. a, he looks like a kid playing dress up like he's play acting at the idea of being a businessman. His like hair is all slicked back and gelled. And he's got like the pencil thin mustache and his sleeves like are going down to his, his knuckles, uh, yeah. you know, and, you know, he's just somebody who's like trying really hard to be taken seriously, but is not. Uh, and I think his uh, dynamical cage is so much fun as a result of that. Yeah, there's one scene in particular uh, that I'm sure we'll get into that like kind of really reveals uh, that about him when he's asking 
for a reservation, I'll just say. Like, everything clicks into place about who his character is in this world uh, and just how outclassed he is at every turn (laughs) by everybody. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, How do you think this role fits in the roles that we've seen Nicolas Cage play so far, Mike? Um, This, you know, obviously Mandy, Color Out of Space, this kind of Cage-assance thing. Uh, Joe, of course, too. Yep. Uh, but it did kind of remind me, not not anything specific, but just sort of the earlier Cage, like pre-90s stuff, where he's just in these kind of arty movies, Rumblefish, you know, where he just is willing to do and be in these kind of experimental art, quote-unquote, art films, uh, you know, sure. uh, instead of the kind of blockbuster, we made it my era of Cage, right. where he's... He's the main guy. I mean, he's definitely the main guy in this movie also, but in a very different way. Yeah, you're talking You're talking about like Rumblefish, uh, Birdie would be another one yeah. uh, like that. Uh, Wild at Heart maybe in there. Uh, you know, I would say I'd throw in Leaving Las Vegas as well, which uh, that was the mid 90s. But that was, uh, of course, the movie where Nicolas Cage won the Oscar and then said, we should make more art films. Then he goes to make three of the biggest blockbusters of the 90s instead. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and this sort of I mean, it's sort of like it's it's sort of a thing that adds to like a meta textual thing to the character that he's playing in pig where he's sort of like the guy that had it all sort of, and his guys had a chance to redeem himself a little bit about that. Uh, you know, it's sort of at, I felt that kind of weight, especially the way cage looks in this movie and the way he degrades <laughs> throughout the movie. I'll say it kind of, and I've, it brought that stuff to mind for me. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Joe is probably the closest comparison for me, uh, you know, which was also a movie that was considered like a return to form for Nicolas Cage when it was released. Uh, But of course, he's also done several revenge films in the past, too. So I wanted to mention Rage, A Score to Settle, Vengeance, A Love Story, Seeking Justice, all those movies. But the one that this has the most in common with is Mandy, of course, Uh, you know, and, you know, Mandy did represent like a turning point in the Cage career. And uh, in a post Mandy world, He's still making tons of stuff, and that includes some lousy direct-to-video nonsense. But he's also been given the opportunity these last few years to really stretch and show off his range in a variety of movies like we've kind of been mentioning. Mandy, Colorado Space, Spider-Verse, Willy's Wonderland. we got Pig now. Uh, and coming up, we've got Prisoners of the Ghostland, which uh, played at Sundance this year and uh, didn't get as rapturous a response as I was hoping for, but it did get solid reviews. Uh, so I'm looking yeah. forward to it. And there's also uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent uh, in which Nicolas Cage is going to play himself. And uh, I'm very excited for that. Uh, you know, we predicted a cage of back in 2015 when we started this podcast, Mike, we, we planted the flag <laughs> and said, <laughs> you know what? The cage of we're due for a cage of It's going to be happening. Uh, we couldn't even predicted Mandy at the time. Like we had no idea yeah. that was coming. Uh, and then it finally did. And uh, man, it's actually like really happening. It's wild to be seeing it like play out all these years later. Yeah, it's definitely a wild experience to be like on Twitter and you see like genuine filmmakers and stuff be like, actually, <laughs> you know, hashtag actually yeah. Nicolas Cage is a genius. And you're like, I agree. <laughs> I, I've been saying that. Yes, it's uh, it's also weird when like stuff from like really obscure Nicolas Cage scenes starts like movies start trending on Twitter. Uh, like when the, when the scene from Never on Tuesday started uh, going around yeah. online and uh, like three years after we covered it on the podcast and we were like, hey, never on what? <laughs> never on Tuesday. <laughs> People are getting obsessed with this Nicolas Cage cameo. Now, where were you when we needed you? <laughs> so what we're saying is uh, retweet the show. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, at at Gold Bloom Pod on Twitter. Uh, we, have, we got a Kofi page. <laughs> <laughs> three dollars like like pods because we have two Focus podcasts up. uh <laughs> anyway uh so yeah so pig let's start running the movie down scene by scene as best we can because again we didn't take notes or anything during the theater experience of this movie but 
Let's do it anyway. Let's run the movie down yeah. as best we can. Let's uh, just say, uh, you know, uh, in case you couldn't tell, spoilers ahead. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Spoilers yeah. ahoy for uh, yeah. for this one. Uh, so the movie opens, Nicolas Cage living alone in the woods with his truffle hunting pig. Uh, by the way, the pig never gets a name, which I think is also a fairly key detail. Like, it's just pig. There's no yeah. <laughs> there's no name given to the pig. We don't know if Cage has a name for the pig or anything like that. We, he just keeps saying, I need to get my pig back. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, and it mirrors Cage's character, whose name we don't find out for 45 minutes. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Like, it's kind of not really important to the beginning of the movie, specifically Cage's character, uh, Cage's relationship to the pig. We just know it's important to him. Yes. Yeah, we uh, we get Cage living alone in the woods and we kind of just get a few minutes of him and the and the pig. I almost said him in the cage. Uh, I mean, it might as well be. Him what if kid. this movie was like a pig walking around on its like on two legs and like there was a tiny Nicolas Cage that was hunting troubles? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, somebody make this into a thing. Uh, <laughs> an Internet in. thing. Re- recut the trailer to make it that. Uh, but yeah, so we get a few minutes of them in their isolation. They're hunting truffles. Uh, cage is making breakfast, all that stuff. And the pig itself. Very cute. It's a good pig. Yes. Yeah, I, I want to mention, too, the way this movie films food, specifically food preparation. Because yes. it happens, this is the first time it happens, right? In the beginning moments when he's in the hut with the pig. Yep. It is some of the most beautiful, like, photography in a movie I've seen in a long time. You yeah. know, it reminded me a lot of, I think it's on Netflix called Chef's Table, I think is the series. Okay. Uh, which is just, just a, you know, kind of documentary style thing where it highlights a chef and their like signature dish per episode. Is that like the John Favreau one where he's like a talk, like a different celebrity comes in every week or something? No, no, no. It's, it's just like a food documentary. Gotcha. Thing where okay. It's just about them and their restaurant. And they're like their one signature dish. Uh, and they prepare the dish at the end of the episode and it's filmed like that, like with kind of like the glass table and they're pr- preparing stuff on the, ca- like doing the uh, breaking bad shot, looking up through the table and, right. and like all this beautiful cinematography and stuff just around somebody cooking. Uh, and this movie does that every time somebody cooks and you're just like enraptured <laughs> watching <laughs> yeah. cage make flour or, or like dough. And you're like, what is like, why is this so good? Yes. And it's part, and it's partially like the camera work and it's also partially the actual technique that cage has, which uh, today actually neon tweeted a video out of Nicolas Cage uh, working with a professional chef to get all the, wow. uh, the hand movements just right and like actually like kind of making the food, like preparing with him and stuff and like discussing the artistry of being a chef and the artistry of cooking uh, and all that, which was a kind of a cool thing. It's only like a minute video, so they don't, it's not like in depth or anything, but it's kind of a cool yeah. like behind the scenes thing that shows, hey, he did some training. As always, Nicolas Cage uh, worked with uh, somebody to kind of get into the headspace of the character. He locked himself in a cabin with John Travolta and he <laughs> yeah. became a chef at the end of it. <laughs> And he became a chef. Yeah, I honestly wondered, uh, like, was that a stand-in? Like, was that an actual chef? Uh, and then I heard on that uh, Movies That Made Me podcast what little budget they had. And I was like, nah, it's got to be Cage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that was like, uh, you know, speaking of like the beautiful camera work and stuff, uh, when I saw the trailer for this movie, which I'm guessing you didn't watch because you don't watch trailers. Correct. Yeah. I didn't know anything really about this movie. <laughs> yeah. So they, they dropped this trailer early in July. Uh, so like less than a month ago. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool trailer for a new Nicolas Cage movie. No idea that it was going to be released in two weeks. Uh, and yeah. they put they put the trailer out and uh, I was watching the trailer and I was like, this looks really good. Like it was my first clue that like the pig had something special going for it. 
you know, because uh, like yeah. we've watched a lot of Nicolas Cage movies. They don't always look the best. Sometimes they look like running with the devil, you know, like <laughs> sometimes they look like primal or whatever, you know, or jujitsu uh, and pig really just like looked good. And I was like, OK, this is going to be this could be really cool. And like the trailer, it was a good trailer and I was hooked and like ready to see the movie. Uh, and then uh, when I first like really got the the hint that this was going to be great, uh, was uh, a couple of critics that I follow, Mike D'Angelo and Matt Zeller sites. Uh, Mike D'Angelo gave it like an A on the AV club, uh, which is a very rare score for Mike D'Angelo. I think the, uh, the last time he gave a movie an A, uh, was Tony Erdman in like 2016. Um, so it was like five wow. years since the last A rating he gave out. And, uh, Matt Zoller sites, uh, works at RogerEbert.com, uh, also gave it five stars and he's also a fairly difficult critic to please. So like both of those like perfect scores back to back. And I was like, okay. I'm hyped. Like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> Something's going this. on. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So Nicholas Cage and the pig, they're in their isolation. He's making breakfast and all that stuff. At one point, Nicholas Cage begins to listen to a tape, uh, which he like puts in a boombox. Uh, and you hear a woman start talking and he immediately turns it off. It, like, it's too painful for him to hear this woman's voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I forget what she's saying. She's like addressing Cage, who's walking in on her recording the tape, I think. Right. She's like, yeah. oh, it's your birthday. This is a surprise. Get out. Uh, and immediately he's like, click shuts down. And I was like, well, okay, what is this about? What is happening here? Yeah. Like, you know, you start to get the inklings of the John Wick stuff so far. I'm still not hundred percent positive which way we're going yet. It was into his heart, heart, uh, the, the heartstrings start to quiver at this point, you know, <laughs> okay. fair enough. And uh, at this point, uh, you know, cage is in this, you know, little hut here in the woods and uh, Amir shows up, uh, Alex Wolf's character. We're introduced to him, and uh, he shows up, and he's asking Cage about the truffles, and he's picking him up, and is taking him back to Portland. He's obviously very weirded out by Nicholas Cage. You know, he yeah. but basically their whole system is Cage collects the truffles. Amir comes by once a week to pick him up, and uh, he sells them to high-end restaurants in the Portland area. Yeah, and Amir pays him in like groceries, right? That's what he sort of gives him. I forget. He's like, oh, they didn't have whatever flour here. You know, they had this right. And- all this like different food stuff that Cage is requesting as payment instead of money. So, uh, yeah, so you get a sense of their relationship and it's purely transactionary. Uh, you know, they don't have any kind of like real friendship. I think Amir like tries to like talk to him at one point and is like, uh, you know, so, uh, you like living in the woods like this? And Cage's like, yeah. And, like, <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. I don't know if he even responds. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's like, yeah, I could get you one of those, you know, camp shower things if you want. And then Cage just shuts the door in his face. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, yeah, Amir leaves and then it's nighttime and uh, mysterious figures arrive at Nicolas Cage's home. Uh, They get into a kind of a scuffle. They knock Nicolas Cage out and they steal the pig. And this scene is is pretty harrowing. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, like harrowing is the exact word I was going to use. Yeah, because you hear the pig like squealing and struggling and like you're not getting a real good look at what's happening. Uh, but you know what's happening through through what you do see. Like you can kind of see them like stuffing the pig in the bag, and uh, you know Nicholas Cage like getting up to like defend them and like free the pig, and he gets knocked out and like falls down, and uh, it's pretty intense. But I don't, you never even see the uh, the people's faces. I don't think. No, they were. I think they're wearing like ski masks or something. You see them for like a second, right? Uh, but yeah, the camera is just all focused on Cage the whole time. It's. Fun. I think it might even be like almost one take, sort of just this one thing, of bumping him around in the cabin and stuff. Um, cause he's like crawling to the knife and all this stuff. And then they, they kind of just whack him over the head and he goes down. Uh, and it's terrifying. It's like loud and unexpected. Like the door gets busted open. Yeah. And like you said, the pig screaming is too much like a human screaming. Um, <laughs> not great. No, absolutely. So the pig is now kidnapped. The inciting incident of the movie has taken place. Cage wakes up 
and he starts walking to town. He like gets out of his yeah. house, starts walking to town, and goes into like this tavern. He asks for someone, only to find out that person that he's asking for has been dead for ten years. And he's like, "Oh, can I use your phone?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I want to highlight that scene because this is the first moment that another. Mo- I don't know. It's pretty early in the movie, but it's one of those moments where you're like, "Huh, what's going on here?" But there's that scene. When he wakes up in the in the cabin, right on the floor, mm. and he peels himself off because his blood is dried, and it's just like a gross, wet like noise, and you see the stringy spit blood on the thing, right on the f- floor, uh, and it was like a Ugh. like everybody in the theater had that exact reaction, where it's just like Ugh. like you have a, like a, a little shudder. Uh, and you kind of look over at the people sitting in a couple seats away from you, and you're like, "Is this happen? Is this what this movie's gonna be?" Uh, right. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the thing that really stuck out to me that one that one little detail of the gross, sticky blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, and so yeah, so Cage goes into town, goes into the tavern, uh, and I, I do really like that he just asks for someone. It turns out, and the bartender's like, you know, everyone's looking at him because he looks ridiculous, like he looks insane. You know, he's, yeah, he's like, got the. He's still all bloody. He's still like, all bloody. Which does he? I mean, he barely like no. he just keeps the blood on him for most of the movie. It gets more and more bloody. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so he walks in the tavern. He's all bloody. He's, you know, and he looks like even without the blood, he would have looked kind of insane already. He's got the crazy shaggy hair and the crazy beard and like the weird like mountain man clothes and all that kind of stuff. But also he's covered in blood uh, and he asks for like Brenda or whatever. And the <laughs> the bartender's like, Brenda's been dead for 10 years. Like just that yeah. that thing where it's like, oh, so he's been out of society for a long time. <laughs> basically right. uh and so he asks for a phone and he calls amir they meet up and amir is like i can't believe i stole your pig i need those truffles man and you know so amir is like fully in it because he needs those truffles from the pig that cage needs to get the truffles and so amir brings him to this community this kind of like trailer park community and the head of the community is shocked and upset that someone stole cage's pig yeah, it seems to be like a uh, uh, like another truffle farm or something like yeah. that, or, or some other restaurant supply f- commune forage place. I don't know. It's like a really weird thing, and that's the like whole subculture world that the movie takes place in, which is amazing. Right, and th- this is when it's still like uh, almost as if it's going to be a John Wick movie, you yeah. know. And yeah. you know, because when they come to, they come up to this woman and they tell they tell her like she's the head of this whole like truffle like hunting commune. Uh, and they're like, somebody stole Nicholas Cage's pig and like her face falls and she goes into shock and she's like, you're fucking kidding me. Like, oh fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, like, it's the ultimate sin you could do. Yes. Like when, like when in John Wick, you like, you hear like, you know, they killed <laughs> his fucking dog and the guy's like, oh, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like that moment. And y- you feel like, oh man, this, does this lady know Nicholas Cage is like, she aware what's he, what he's going to do or that kind of thing. And obviously the movie takes a very different direction than what you think it's going to go, the John Wick direction. But still, uh, this woman is like, you know, shocked and upset about it. And she, uh, confronts the couple who stole the pig. She like right. finds out like, oh, these are the two people who left town last night, uh, to go do something. And it turns out they went to go steal the pig. So let's go find them. Yeah. And they're like meth addicts, kind of junky people. And yeah, they, you find out they just wanted the thousand bucks or whatever it is they were offered. Uh, yeah. So, somebody paid them to steal Nicholas Cage's pig and sell, and bring it to them. Uh, yeah. Which I, w- I was kind of shocked that they just like, we solved it, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the way it's setting things up in these first 20 minutes. Uh, and then for it to just be like, yeah, sorry, we're poor and we're addicts and somebody offered us money to steal your pig. Like, right. Sorry, man. Not personal. And then they revealed that they kind of say like, oh, it was like a rich guy in a nice car. And you're like, Amir. Hmm? Uh-huh. Uh, right. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah. And then this is like the first moment, too, where it sort of 
starts to turn away from the John Wick thing because like we solved it, you know? <laughs> like, right. Huh, wait a yeah, second. we're we're used to taking like an the entire movie to get to Theon Greyjoy, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so Cage and Amir they journey to Portland, and uh, you know Amir's like, so are we just gonna like knock on every door in Portland and ask where the pig is? And Cage is like. Basically, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but they're going to Portland and Cage does have a plan. They meet up with a guy named Edgar uh, and they meet up with this guy who is like, there's like a circus or something going on. Is, is he at like a pier or a carnival or yeah, something like, like that? some kind yeah. of carnival? And they go in there and Cage meets with the guy. Cage is like, do you know where my pig is? And Edgar's like, I don't know anything about that. And like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Amir's like sitting in the back and he drops a hint about Nicholas Cage's past to Amir. And Amir's like, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah, he says something like, "Cause," and I love that that little detail that Cage has to stop and buy like the cheese fries or whatever, and that's like what he brings to him to yeah. like offer in exchange for the information. And the guy tells him like, "You know, you're nobody anymore. Like you've been gone too long. That it's you're not worth the trouble, basically." Yeah, uh, and I forget what he says to Amir. Like, do you even know his real name or something like that? As he leaves, uh, and you're like, "Who? Who, who is this guy?" Because he's been calling him. Rob? He's been calling him Rob the whole time, yeah. So it's the first hint that there's more to Nicolas Cage than than we know. Exactly. Uh, and so that this meeting with Edgar has not gone the way Cage wanted. So they leave, and Amir's like, so uh, what are we going to do? And Cage's like, we're coming back at midnight. And it's like, it's 9 o'clock. It's like, okay, we'll drive around. And, <laughs> and they come back at night, and they go into the back of a restaurant. And uh, Amir actually knows one of the employees there who like lets them into the back. They like kind of talk. Right. They talk for a bit and it's like, oh, man, how you doing? It's like, is this guy with you? And <laughs> all yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, and Cage is in like the back room of the restaurant and starts moving and breaking shit. He just like takes stuff off the shelves and starts like tossing it to the side. Uh, and, you know, Amir's like, what are you doing? What's going on? Please explain to me what's happening. Uh, and then Cage finally like tells him, like, listen, there's an underground fighting ring among all the restaurants in Portland. And they're in the secret passageway right here. Uh, and Amir's like, what? <laughs> and then Cage yeah. opens the, uh, <laughs> the, like, the shelf. He, like, moves it. And suddenly, sure enough, there's a giant hole in the wall that leads down this, like, you know, long staircase uh, that leads to the underground fighting ring among all the restaurants in Portland. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, this is one of the most, like, I, nobody could deliver this line in a believable way but Nicolas Cage, where... Uh, He's, you know, doing all that stuff. He's throwing the boxes away to get to the cabinet to move it to the shelves and stuff. And Amir is like flustered. And he's like, I swear to God, you better not fuck or you probably fuck your pig, don't you? Uh, And Nicolas Cage just pauses and looks at him and goes, I don't fuck my pig. And you're like, (laughs) God damn right. He doesn't fuck his pig. Like, it's so there's so much gravitas to that one moment. like Amazing. What is that line in this movie? And why is Nicolas Cage a perfect actor? So, so good. Uh, so they go into the uh, the downtown underground fighting ring. And, uh, you know, as soon as Cage walks in, he like goes up to like the scoreboard and like the next fight's about to start. Uh, and they're like, oh, who is the next contender? And Cage like starts writing his name in big chalk letters and says Robin Feld. And uh, the entire room is just in hushed silence. Like they yeah. realize who this guy is. And, uh, you know, this is the moment where you're like, this is going to be the John Wick moment, right? This is going to be the moment mm-hmm. where Cage is going to go John Wick on all these guys' asses until he figures out what's happening with his pig. Uh, and then Cage goes into the center of the ring. A challenger comes up to him, and Cage gets beat the hell up. He gets fucking knocked down. <laughs> yeah, he puts his hands behind his back and just lets the guy beat the shit out of him. Yes, yeah. Uh, so th- th- that's the moment where it's like very clear 
this is not going to be a John Wick movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But, and, and I love the aesthetic of that whole scene, that whole sequence, because I think in the explanation with the moment where he's like, uh, Amir is like, what is this place? And he explains that like it's a, like a pre-prohibition hotel or something that was knocked down and they left the basement. So it's like this old gold art deco chandeliers, but like dusty and disgusting and covered in cardboard uh, looking place. And then uh, Cage just gets his ass beat. Yes. <laughs> uh, and when he does, Edgar comes up to him. Edgar, who before, you know, turned him away, uh, comes up to him and gives him like the next clue as to where his pig might be. Right. He earned the respect. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so the next day, uh, Cage crashes Amir's place and Amir makes them breakfast. Uh, and Amir is now like fully aware of Cage's life as a chef. Like he realizes right. who Cage is. He's Robin Feld, one of the legendary chefs of Portland uh, and all that kind of stuff. And Cage, by the way, is still completely bloody uh, yeah. from the night before. Now, like now even bloodier than he was earlier in the movie when he walked into the tavern. And, you know, it's the next day. Like he never washed anything. He's just still is cut up. His face is covered in blood. Yeah, he's more swollen, right? Yep. Different parts of his face are swollen now. Uh, he just looks worse and worse throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, and so Amir is talking to Cage, and uh, he tells Cage about uh, his parents and how they never had like the happiest relationship. Uh, but there was one night that he distinctly remembers uh, where they went to his restaurant and they ate a meal cooked by Nicolas Cage, and it was the happiest they've ever been. Like, it was yes. genuinely like, you know, they talked about this meal every day for years. Like it was like the best thing they've ever tasted. Uh, and then he kind of leads up to the fact that like, you know, eventually his mother killed herself. Uh, and cage is, uh, they, they seem to be forming some kind of bond cage and Amir at this point. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause up until now he's been very standoffish. Uh, like so far it's kind of the, the opposite transaction. Now cage needs a ride. So he's going to keep Amir around. Yeah. Uh, and they kind of share this moment here where, uh, Cage uh, gives him like a tip right about like French toast. He's like, you should always use stale bread for French toast. Yes. Amir's, turns out is an awful cook also <laughs> um, <laughs> on top of just being this guy that's out of his depth, uh, which is amazing. But yeah, he gets they start to form this bond. Yes, absolutely. And uh, Cage uh, asks Amir to uh, make a reservation at the restaurant where Edgar told them to go. Uh, which is right. like one of the trendiest restaurants in town. Very difficult to get a reservation for, but if anybody can, it's Amir. He's got connections and all that kind of stuff. Use his dad's name and all that. Now, uh, Cage goes to his old house. He uh, he leaves this scene and he actually goes to like the old house where he and his wife used to live. Uh, and he meets the young kid who now lives there uh, right. and like hangs out with the kid in the backyard. And uh, they start kind of talking about. Uh, the tree that used to be in the backyard and uh, it used to like make some kind of fruit. I forget what it is. Uh, I forget what it is. Yeah, okay. damn. I forget what fruit tree it is. I forget yeah. what it is. And but like the kid asks Cage, like, what is that fruit? And Cage like explains it to him and all this stuff. What'd you make of the scene, Mike? Uh, it's a beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah, right? it's it's this. It, it has this underlying tension for a minute, you know, where you're like, well, one, who's going to be there? Is it going to be like his kid or something? Right. That's the little kid, but like his daughter, maybe it's his grandson or something. But I don't think it ever really goes there. No, I think it's uh, just like the next family that lives in the house. Right. Uh, but then you're, there's also like this kind of like, oh, the mom or dad is going to come out and see this guy covered like in blood. Insane looking there. homeless man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't do that either. It's just this kind of tender moment where Cage is, gets to play that little drum thing, you know, the little oh, pan yeah. drum. And the kid's like, no, you're doing it wrong. It's like this. It's just this like beautiful, heartfelt moment where Cage gets to reminisce about that tree and the memories he has in that backyard. And he tells the kid like, Oh yeah, this used to be my house, but now it's your house. Like kind of little sweet moment that just adds some more depth to, 
to Robin Feld, right? So far, we don't really know anything about him as far as his backstory, other than that he gets the shit beat out of him, <laughs> one, you know, or, or used to run that fight ring, maybe, or something. We don't really even know. Right. Uh, but he was the top dog. Yes, he was. And uh, now he's just the guy who lives in the woods, and uh, people seem to have forgotten about him until he shows up, and people are like, oh my god, this legend is back. Uh, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, but now, Cage and Amir, they go to the restaurant. The trendy restaurant, Edgar told them to go here, and uh, they they are there, and they're eating, and it's this very, like... I think we skipped this, we skipped one, right? Because this is where uh, Amir is begging the butcher guy to get them the restaurant. Oh, yes. Or get yeah. them the reservation, which is the scene I mentioned before, where uh, it, like, really just pulls the, like, uh, you know, the the mask off of Amir, and he's just like, please, you know somebody that works there, please get me a reservation. Yes. <laughs> He's got no pull whatsoever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> zero pull. And uh, luckily, like the guy says, yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do. And they're able they're, he's able to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the the absolute desperation on Amir uh, in that scene is, is so yeah. good. I do want to highlight, too, because uh, they talked about this on the movies that made me. That was the scene. Um, the co-writer, oh, I forget her name, the woman's name, unfortunately, talked. She picked a, a Spielberg movie as one of her picks on the movies that made her because of the way he's always moving camera uh, and stuff and like, like all the stuff, the choreo- choreography in his, a lot of his movies. Uh, and they were so desperate to want to do that. And the, the budget restraints meant that this was the only scene they could actually like afford it slash set it up. Uh, and they were talking about in the butcher, there's the, you know, sides of beef on the meat hooks being like slung around the corner. Yeah. Uh, so they were able to have the camera pivot back and forth and follow the meat <laughs> between the butcher and then Amir <laughs> and then back to the butcher and stuff. Uh, and it's really cool. And it stands out. I think if like, you know, it's a kind of really subtle, small thing, but it does stand out as one of the only mo- moments uh, throughout the movie that has like active camera, which is pretty cool. That's so really to, cool. I want to highlight that. Nice. All right. So cage and Amir, they go to a trendy restaurant, this, uh, you know, special restaurant. Edgar told them to go to this place. Uh, and they get, they see the food, the food comes out and it's like this very like small portioned, like, you know, super fancy, like, you know, rich person's food kind of thing, right? It's a, it's like this weird emulsified scallop thing. So it's like this tiny little portion that just like melts when they take the cover off it and all this weird gross shit. Yeah, that's yeah, that's all. And it probably costs <laughs> like a thousand dollars. Like, right. <laughs> you know, exactly. Something like that. And, uh, you know, they ask the waitress to meet with the head chef. Uh, which he comes out and it turns out the head chef is a guy who used to work at Nicholas Cage's restaurant. He uh, worked there for like two months. He was like the pasta guy there. And uh, this is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Uh, this <laughs> Wait, is what I just remembered. What? Yes, I agree. But yeah. hold on before we get there. Uh, it reminded me of that Portlandia ske- sketch in the first one where they're like, can you tell me the uh, the first episode where it's like, can you tell me the uh, like chicken's name? And they're like, the waitress is like going through all this stuff. Uh, it's reminded me of that the waitress re- revealing right. the scallop um, and all those things, uh, which makes sense. It's Portland. Yes, uh, so there it, you go. it is Portland also. Yeah. Uh, but th- this scene where uh, the head chef comes out, uh, Derek, the chef uh, who's played by a guy named David Nell. Incredible. Like this is, yes. <laughs> this is uh, the scene. This is like the biggest acting moment for cage in the movie, I think. Uh, and it's a scene where he just destroys Derek, the chef emotionally. You know, he's somebody who worked at cage's restaurant for like two months. And, uh, you know, he's like, Oh, you probably don't even remember me. And cage's like, Oh no, I remember you. You, uh, you wanted to open up a pub. You had talked about this pub that you wanted to open up for so long. And you had all these dishes. Like what was the specialty dish you wanted to make? And he talks about like, you know, this, you know, kind of pub food that he's talking about. It's like, Oh, 
why didn't you do that? And it's like, oh, well, I mean, you ever try to open a pub in this town? It's not going to work. And it's like, you sold out, Derek. You sold, you, you sold out. Yeah. You opened this like trendy hotspot uh, instead of the pub you always wanted to open to appease to the masses. Uh, instead of following your heart and your dreams, we don't get a lot of things in this world to really care about, Derek. Where is my pig? <laughs> right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, this is the moment. I, so Colin, producer Colin, texted me after he saw a pig and said that it's basically John Wick. But instead of a gun, he uses emotional trauma. Um, and this is the, the the highlight of the movie as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Where he just absolutely dresses down Derek's existence. Um, yeah. And like his whole purpose in life to the point where Derek is like crying. But his, his that guy, that actor is incredible. Yes. Because he's crying, but his face never moves. Um, <laughs> he's like crying. He doesn't stop smiling. He's like, he's like trying to like laugh about it. Right. And yeah. like just he, he he's like stammering the entire time. He's like, what? Why do you I mean, it, like there's so much that that actor is doing <laughs> like yeah. like he's only in this one scene in the movie. And I'm strongly considering like him in the running for my best supporting actor race for the alternate Oscars. Like he's <laughs> incredible in this one scene. <laughs> yeah. Especially when they, you know, cut to Cage, who's just stone faced. And he's yes. like 100 percent serious about destroying this guy's meaning of life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And and then Derek is like pouring the wine and <laughs> drinking the wine yep. out of the bottle and stuff. Uh, wonderful. The scene yeah. is, and this is the this is the real moment where you're like, oh shit, <laughs> like <laughs> this is what it's this is what his superpower is. Yes, uh, all the details he remembers about this guy and the two months that he worked at the restaurant and stuff. Yeah, and and, uh, and, and, and Cage the, goes into that later. He says like, I remember every meal I ever cooked. I remember every person I ever served it to. Uh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And that comes into play here, too. Yeah. And you see, this is also when you get to see the like actual like uh, reverence, the restaurant chef world <laughs> of Portland has uh, for Cage's character. Right. Because as soon as he Derek comes out and recognizes Robin Feld and he's like, oh, my God, like I thought you were. And everyone tells him we thought you were dead, but they all cut short of saying we yes. thought you were dead. What a great. I love that. What a great recurring <laughs> bit that is. And as soon as Cage finishes dressing down Derek, uh, Derek immediately reveals the information that Cage needs. Yeah. yeah, he tells him everything. Yeah, he tells him everything. And he reveals that Darius, Amir's father, is the one who has the pig. Yeah. And especially because this is a restaurant that Amir's father supplies. Right. That's like kind of what Amir's job is. Right. Yeah. And same with Darius. And they're kind of like portrayed as like gang drug dealer kingpin people. Almost. Uh, yeah. Especially, especially Darius. Uh but he's talking about like this is his my dad's turf like don't talk uh, kind of thing you know and and then Cage does the whole thing uh, but yeah that was a big big moment when he reveals that it's Amir's father yeah absolutely and of course Cage is furious about it he storms away from Amir and uh, you know they get into a big fight and Amir's like oh do you need a ride somewhere and Cage's like I'm walking and he leaves does he beat up Amir's car at this point or no I don't remember I think, I think he does I think right? he does beat up his car a little bit yeah. Yeah, because he's t- I forget he, he's you know he's all obsessed about his Camaro or whatever, and he just beats the shit out of it. Yep, uh, which is great. And so he storms away and he goes to confront Darius, and uh, they meet. Cage uh, goes to Darius's house. There's no like you know quest to find Darius. He just like asks Amir where the address is, and he just goes straight there. Uh, and he go- he goes to meet Darius, uh, who offers Cage twenty five thousand dollars to forget the whole thing. Just say like, hey, right. it's a pig. What can you do? But he also tells Cage, if you continue this quest, I will kill this pig. What a monster he's yeah. portrayed as in this. Like, he even gives him, I, I think offers up to, I think he gets up to 50,000 or even more. Something like that. He's yeah. like, he's talking about like, I'm, this is money is no object, but you, if you fuck this up for me, 
uh, I will destroy you. Yes. <laughs> Basically is what he's saying. Exactly. And uh, Adam Arkin playing the dad, who is also really great in this movie uh, and yeah. also only really gets like two major scenes in the movie. You know, it's like this one and then the scene towards the end where he's, where he's having the meal. Uh, you know, mm. we'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, yeah, he really only gets like those two major scenes and uh, plays two very different shades of this character. And uh, I think knocks it out of the bark both times. He's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I love just how like unflappable Cage is. Right. Yep. As soon as the scene ends and he walks out of the house and Amir is waiting for him with the car and he just immediately enacts his plan. And we don't know the plan yet at this point in the movie, but he knows what he's going to do to this guy. Uh, yeah. Because he gives it, Amir the grocery list, basically. <laughs> Yeah, his it weirdly reminds me of his performance in Willy's Wonderland, uh, yeah. which is also a similarly like, you know, obviously a much sillier situation, <laughs> but uh, but, you know, a very like unflappable character, like somebody who has like basically no reaction to all the insane shit going on around him. Mm-hmm. And is just like competent at doing what he needs to do. Yeah, he's just going to clean that arcade. Yeah. Play some pinball. Play some pinball. Uh, so uh, we also get a scene here where uh, Amir visits his mother. Uh, and it turns out she's still alive, but she's in a coma. The implication like that she did try to kill herself, but it didn't work. And she's just been in a coma since then. Yeah, it's, it's devastating because he's talking to yeah. her through the door. And he then the nurse comes in and is like, oh, I was going to feed her. I forget. She's going to do some procedures. She's going to do something. To, yeah. So the mom is like, do you want to come in? And he's like, no. And he like looks at her through the crack as the door is closing and then disappears again. And you're just like, Holy yeah, he's shit. Like, clearly very haunted by this. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And and he you know, it's kind of playing back into the memory that he talked about with Cage, where like his family didn't have like the best relationship with each other. But Cage's meal brought them together in some ways. So he realizes he needs to go reconcile with Cage. He goes to pick up Cage from his father's house. Right. Uh, and he does. And uh, this is when Cage admits he doesn't need the pig to hunt truffles. He can do that on his own. He knows exactly where truffles are. Yeah. <laughs> He's the truffle whisperer. He's like Bill Paxton with tornadoes. Exactly. You know, <laughs> He's in it for the truffles, not the money. Um <laughs> exactly yeah and and just the they kind of have this moment of like you know we good kind of thing and they're like yeah let's do let's do this let's do this final act basically yes yeah they're doing this because cage loves the pig he doesn't need to hunt the troubles he just loves the pig and he asks amir to pick up a few things it's also like a fun like dig at seattle at this and during the scene where uh they're, they're like talking there is like a weird like rivalry between portland and seattle which is fairly one-sided i feel like people in seattle don't care about it all that much yeah. but people in portland are like ah fuck seattle <laughs> uh and that's exactly what cage says here is he's like uh something to amir about moving and amir's like what am i gonna move to seattle and Cage's like fuck seattle yeah <laughs> it's like that bad man gif he's like i hate you and then he's like i don't even know who you are or whatever yeah. i don't think about you at all devastating yeah. Devastating. Uh, I've, I've been rewatching Mad Men recently, and that's not to like season five. I'm in season one right now. Uh, but yeah, rules. Mad Men's a great show. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so Cage uh, goes to meet with his old baker to get some bread uh, while Amir uh, goes to a mausoleum to pick up wine from Cage's personal collection uh, from back in the day. Uh, and the caretaker there uh, talks to Amir and uh, you see like the uh, the spot where Cage's wife is and there's mm-hmm. a spot right next to her. It's blank and it's safe for Cage. And she's like, tell tell Rob that, uh, you know, there's a space for him here when he eventually dies. Yeah. I mean, that scene at the bakery is amazing. Like also really nice. Yeah. Everything about this movie, every scene of this movie is so fucking good. Um, <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the old restaurant that Cage had. Right. Because he talks about like, oh, you took the curtains down and that's what. Lizette or whatever his right. wife would have wanted. Yes. And, uh, kept it in a, made it, made it into a bakery and she seems to work, have worked for him. Right. Uh, 
she gives him some treats. And this is also such a sweet little moment, right? When he, she gives him, I forget what she gives him, like a strudel. I think it's bread. Yeah, well, he, she gives him the, the bread, like the actual loaf of bread, but then she gives him like something off a tray. And he's like, can yeah. I take a second one? And when he gets in the car, he gives Amir the second one. Like, oh, yeah. my God, look at that. Adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's food bringing people together, yeah. which is nice. Uh, and so Cage and Amir, they sneak into Darius's house. Uh, and they actually cook him the same meal that he and his wife had years well, before. That's one not that they- revealed so much later, I think. <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty heavily implied, right? I mean, you, well, okay. So they're, you, they're sneaking into the house, and you have this scene, sequence of them cooking. Yeah. Uh, and once again, some of those beautiful cooking you've ever seen on screen. Incredible. Life. Yeah. Uh, and so they're making this meal and, uh, they, you know, call Darius over who I guess didn't realize they were in the house, but they like knock on his office door and they're like, uh, Amir is like, dad, can you come here please? And they sit down at the table and Darius like sees the meal and he takes it, takes a bite out of it. And then he just starts breaking down crying. Yeah, I think well, there's so I think that because this this moment really stuck with me because it was like the moment where I was like, oh, no, <laughs> like you get a little like I'm start getting emotional at this point of the movie uh, yeah. because he takes he takes a bite and he like kind of looks at a mirror and cage and then takes another bite. There's like a, a couple like a minute of slow realization. He takes a bite. He yeah. he takes a sip of wine and then he smells the wine and he takes another sip and then he looks down at the plate and has the moment where like. He he realizes what is going on and just like <laughs> devastating, like absolutely destroyed. Yes, so absolutely. Yeah, he's he's so good. I think Adam Arkin sells that scene really well. Uh, and yeah, he just completely breaks down crying as he eats the meal. It's like, why, why would you do this? What do you want? Like, yeah. he's so like broken uh, by this uh, action and cage. Like, you know what I want? Please give me my pig back. Yeah. And I think this uh, is then, when he tells him that I remember every meal I've ever cooked for every person. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, fuck. <laughs> like absolutely destroys him. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and this at this point, Darius, you know, in tears, tells him the pig died, man. Yeah, <laughs> the pig died in transport. The junkies mishandled it. Uh, so like the, the pig was dead by the time it arrived, like the, by the time he got it. Uh, so this whole this whole thing was pointless. Like no, nobody won out on this. Like, yeah. you know, Darius wasn't even able to hunt some truffles with it. Like it died. And uh, he just basically killed a thing that Cage loved for no reason. For nothing, yeah. And Cage just collapses. And it's yeah. just like, holy shit. Like, he just, just, yeah. just destroys what uh, Cage. And, and, and I forget, I don't, I don't even really remember the resolution of that scene. <laughs> like, what even happens? Uh, I think Cage collapses, and then he and Amir leave. Uh, and Amir just drives him back to the tavern. He like takes him, right. you know, back out of Portland, and he takes him back to the tavern where they met up uh, at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and then you know, Amir's like, "Do you want me to take you back to the the cabin in the woods?" And Cage's like, "No, I'm going to walk the rest of the way. It's a nice night." Right. Uh, and so yeah, they, but you know, they have like kind of a moment together, and it's implied that their partnership will continue because uh, again, Cage still like knows where truffles are. He can find them easily. Yeah, I think he even says, like, I'll see you on Thursday or something like that as he, before yeah. he walks away, right? Yeah, something, something along those lines. And so, yeah, so Amir uh, kind of smiles up at him and drives off. And uh, Cage just kind of is alone now. And he walks to his cabin and he gets home and uh, he oh. plays the tape that he uh, couldn't bear to listen to at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and it's his wife, his dead wife, uh, who is on the tape and she's singing singing a song for Cage's birthday uh, from back in the day, and it's uh, I'm on Fire by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, that was the uh, full cry moment for me when that song started, yeah. 
I mean, well, yeah, well, it's uh, it's a Mike DiCrescio button to push right there. You oh, play yeah. a Bruce Springsteen song, it's going to happen. <laughs> An emotional Springsteen song from his dead wife on his birthday, Mike. Uh, Come and on. his pig is dead. His pig is dead. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Tragic. And then, you know, cut to credits as the uh, as the song plays over the credits. And that's the end of the movie, Mike. Fucking pig. This is one of my f- uh, f- favorite Cage movies. Uh, this is outrageous how good this movie is. Yeah. <laughs> It really is. Because uh, again, you know, you hear the description of this movie, you think you know what it's going to be. It turns out to be something completely different and uh, I think a lot better than uh, what we were expecting. Uh, so, yeah, that is Pig, uh, which is out in theaters right now and also available on video on demand. So available, you know, wherever you want. You can watch Pig wherever uh, and highly recommend that you do. It is uh, one of Nicolas Cage's best movies in recent years. Uh, it's it's insane how good this movie is. <laughs> yeah. Like, should be a criterion. <laughs> uh, should be. Oh, God. I want a criterion this so badly. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be amazing, right? For, imagine your first movie out slam slam dunk criterion. Uh, yes. Outrageous. So good. See this movie. Uh, you know, this is one of those things that's like, we should support this kind of movie. <laughs> you know, it's, as we've talked about a lot on Mike and Mike uh, about what's morally correct. Uh, support these movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Much like it's morally, morally correct to steal from Disney, but ethically incorrect to steal from this movie. <laughs> correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, much like uh, to echo Nicolas Cage's Oscar acceptance speech from 30 years ago, support art house cinema. <laughs> yes. Although if we really wanted to reflect that speech truly, uh, we would then watch three blockbusters after this. <laughs> correct. You're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, but all right. Uh, of course, uh, pig has been getting a lot of good reviews. We should talk about what the people have to say, Mike, uh, some letterbox reviews for pig right now. Here's a four star review from Siegel, which reads an existentialist deconstruction of John wick, an anti revenge movie that plays into our expectations, of the genre to subvert them, a deeply unsatisfying movie in conventional terms that is rewarding in its profoundly authentic humanism. There are certain things we've been conditioned to expect. And when a movie's premise is that Nicholas Cage's pig gets stolen and he goes on a quest to retrieve it, a lot of those expectations are triggered. Debut director Michael Cernoski plays into our anticipation for violence by methodically defying it, consistently setting up familiar situations only to subvert them. There is no catharsis, no release of tension, no avengement, no resolution. Nicholas Cage's Robin lives in a constant state of stoic dejectedness in a world where releasing fury and unleashing vengeance are futile, where the only violence inflicted is against him. Kick to the dirt, punch when he's down. Inhabited and moving from start to finish, Cage is entitled to a few anthological monologues generally tinged with an apocalyptic pessimism about the decay of art in a culture where everything is to be bought and sold. Value is determined by subjective measures, so is anything actually valuable in a system in which values are homogenized into objectivity by the controlling powers? Damn, son. <laughs> uh, I'll just say ditto. No. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing about this movie is that it it completely flips the script on what you think it's going to be and ends exactly. up making you think about deeply profound and existential stuff. I mean, we didn't talk about that one moment. I think it's uh, when he's having the breakfast with the French toast, right? That whole thing when a mirror is a bad cook. Uh, and he tells him like, yeah, you know, every 300 years there's an earthquake that levels uh, this part of the world and right. we're 50 years overdue. And you're just like, okay. So how about the French toast, I guess, you know, like it's just these things that are thrown in there. All that, that Robin uh, seems to have been ruminating on alone with his pig for the last 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's a four star review from Joe Lynch, uh, filmmaker, who is the director of uh, that Stephen Yoon movie whose name I'm blanking on. The, uh, Mayhem? The Mayhem. Mayhem. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, Mayhem and the Knights of Badassdom and a few movies like that. 
Uh, one of the quietest and most subtly beautiful revenge movies I think I've ever seen. Still kind of shaking from watching it. Go in knowing nothing. Cage needs his Oscar nom campaign now. Uh, which I could uh, see that could happen. That could happen. I could see it with pick. <laughs> I really yeah. could. Uh, <laughs> like it might, it might be like a dark horse candidate, but I think it could happen. I feel like in a year like 2021, where so much stuff is kind of just like this nebulous release VOD thing. Uh, this could be like float to the top as like a contender. Yeah. Which is so weird to think about because a couple of years ago when Mandy came out, uh, yeah. you know, man, Mandy was excluded from the Oscars, uh, largely because I mean, granted, it's not the kind of movie they would recognize easily anyway. Uh, but it was excluded largely because it got a video on demand release at the same time as theatrical or right. it uh, hit video on demand before it hit theatrical or whatever the thing was, but like it, that went against the rules. So it got cut out. And so there was no consideration for Nicolas Cage. There was no consideration for Johan Johansson's score, which that would have been his you know last score and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's just weird how crazy, uh, how things change so quickly in three years between yeah. Mandy and pig. Uh, here's a four star review from Jay, which just reads babe Two, Nick in the city. Uh, <laughs> and that, yep. And that's the whole review. Here's a four star review from Sophie. Uh, I went into this film completely blind and was not disappointed. Pig provides an emotionally captivating film as it allows the audience to paint their own picture while still wholly understanding the message. I appreciated the raw portrayal of love and caring for the things that ultimately matter in life and eliminating the useless BS. Nicholas Cage's performance is one of the best in recent years as he added a compelling and melancholic flair to the film. This isn't a movie about healing. This is a movie about breaking your barriers and beginning to heal. It's a journey of self-discovery and self-healing, and it all started with a pig. Yeah. indeed and uh, I got one more here it's a three and a half star review from Liam maybe the real pig was the friends we made along the way (laughs) whoa that is really how it feels you know it kind of like it's a joke but also it kind of (laughs) works yeah (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) yeah Rob and and Amir have this new bond this actual real connection now as opposed to before where they were just okay thanks for the truffles bye uh, they seem to have shared this this experience and now they care about each other. Yeah. And also Cage has like renewed confirmation that like he's still relatively beloved within the community of Portland, you know, in right. the chef world, which is interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, his wife uh, in the movie died in 2004, uh, at least because there's a there's a moment where they visit her gravestone, too. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and you see her like, you know, the dates and it says 2004. So she's been dead for nearly 20 years uh, if this movie takes place in 2021 or 2020 or whatever. Uh, and you know, since that time, like cage is like kind of latched onto this pig as like the only thing in this world that like he connects with and gives his life meaning and purpose. Uh, and now he can kind of finally start to move past that in some way. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if he can do it, so can you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the moral of the movie pig. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode. Mike, any final thoughts on pig before we start wrapping this up? Um, I, I, I'm now realizing how vulnerable I am to a Bruce Springsteen needle, needle drop. And that's scary. Uh, just for me <laughs> on a personal level. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I am just so, so delighted and, and surprised in the best way, uh, about pig and kind of the response to it. And sort of like what you were talking about before, where like, yeah, this kind of was a joke when we started in 2015, a little bit on Nicolas Cage, but like we've, sure. I, I feel like at this point we've kind of firmly uh taking a stand on this nick cage is a genius and uh <laughs> here, here we are five years later and 
we were we were right. <laughs> we were proven right. We we were on the right side of history with this one, Mike. Yeah, which uh, is good. I love to I love to see that at least. If, if uh, the other twenty twenty one movies are even half as good as Pig, we're in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if if they even come out in 2021, yeah, who knows? Because uh, I know there's like three movies on the horizon, I believe. There's Prisoners of the Ghostland, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and I think it's a movie called The Retirement Plan, uh, which also has Ron Perlman in it, or our Season of the Witch reunion That's going right. on right there. Maybe. But uh, yeah, I don't. there's no like release dates in any of those yet. Not sure when any of those are coming out, so they right. could be 2022, who knows? Uh, but we'll find out when we find out. Possibly like we did with Pig, with two weeks notice, and then it was out in theaters. <laughs> that shit rocked. More movies should do that. <laughs> the surprise drop. Uh, yeah. It is. It's kind of. I mean, it's kind of nice not to have like the eight months of buildup and then you know be kind of disappointed with whatever the final product is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, it's nice to just have it out there. But uh, all right, so that is Pig available in theaters and on video on demand right now. Uh, and that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And if you'd like to donate to support the show, you can do that on our Kofi page which is ko-fi.com slash Mike and Mike pods, plural, because we have two podcasts. And you can find me online at uh, M Smith film blog, uh, at Twitter, uh, at Mike Smith film and letterbox and radio Mike sandwich and Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening to complete works. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decretio. Don't forget to rate interview the show on Apple podcasts or any other podcast app. And you can tweet at us at Goldblum pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on rapture press alongside many other podcasts about comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Our theme song was created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at Kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob honey on Twitter. And we want to thank our social media advisor, Daniel Clark, as well. Uh, so join us on the next Complete Works. We will be talking uh, Goldblum again. We're back to covering Goldblum. Once again, it's a one-off Cage episode. And uh, we'll be talking a 2003 TV movie called War Stories, if we can find it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is the kicker. I, I will say I will probably have it on DVD in my house because it's somehow available on Netflix DVDs disc plan. Amazing. Uh, and I'm the one person who still subscribes to that. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll be getting that this week, hopefully as, as long as it comes in on time. Uh, and hopefully Mike is able to find it through uh, extra legal means. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that was a thing till the, today. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, kind of snuck up on us. It was in a different section of the filmography and we didn't see that it was there. So it technically should have been the episode before run Ronnie run, but what can you do? <laughs> uh, y'all's brutalizing the podcast order. <laughs> <laughs> I did really like our Run Roddy Ron episode, though. I think we, I think we fun. were. Yeah, it was a good one. Uh, all right. And this week, I'm Mike and Mike go to the movies. Uh, we're talking the upcoming Camp Horror Film Festival uh, with Charlie McCorn of the Roxy Theater in Missoula, Montana. Uh, and she's making us watch Stuart Gordon's Castle Freak to go along with it, uh, which is a very fun discussion. So uh, you can check that out on the Mike and Mike go to the movies feed. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And remember to go for the gold bloom. Hey guys, it's Kyle. Uh, I was just doing my like editing of the podcast and I noticed that Mike said to go for the Goldblum, but this isn't a Goldblum episode. So thanks for getting in the cage. You should, you should do let's mank, but it's let's pig. Uh. <laughs>
pick up your piggies and dance. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, just the other version, but just put pig in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs>